One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi there, and thanks once again for tuning in to the Explaining History podcast. And today I'm going to talk about Franco-German cooperation by 1931 to establish uh, peace and security in Europe and also to establish um, trading relations, customs unions and further economic integration between the two powers. It's the sort of thing that can be seized on now in this current uh, turmoil within the EU and Brexit and all that sort of thing as evidence of some sort of long-term plan for European integration. Uh, whether Gustav Stresemann and uh, Aristide Briand, the two diplomats that we're going to be looking at today, saw it quite in those terms in 1931 it is unlikely. The fact of the matter, however, is that even at the Paris Peace Conference, it was noted that Germany and France would eventually have to trade together with one another, particularly in the quantities of coal and iron ore, in order for trade and industry to become restored in the ravaged parts of Europe, particularly northern and eastern France that had been occupied by the Germans, and Germany itself that had been economically crippled by the war. Talk of customs unions in Europe go back to the 18th century. Uh, Napoleon was very keen on creating uh, an internal European market that was protected from British penetration uh, from British imperial goods such as uh, Indian cotton. And the idea of creating a single marketplace with uniform uh, standards, uh, weights and measures and, and that sort of thing was a, a French revolutionary idea. Um, the idea that uh, local eccentricities, economic, cultural and social, could be swept away in the march of uh, revolutionary reason uh, was something that Napoleon was able to, to march across Europe and an element of this uh, for forever remained. However, when we look at the context of uh, the 1930s, the, it's not Napoleon uh, that is, casts kind of the long shadow, but the, the First World War and the efforts in order to uh, rehabilitate Europe, in order to stabilise and settle Europe uh, that happened at the Paris Peace Conference, which were uh, of limited success. 
The fact of the matter is, is that the initiatives that take place in the 1930s to try to stabilise liberal democracies and make them viable in Europe are have an uphill struggle because what the First World War has unleashed and what the Paris Peace Conference struggled to contain was an explosion of new uh, nationalisms and particularly violent racial ethnic nationalisms. We're not just talking about the spectre of Nazism in Germany here, but the rise of racial nationalisms all across Eastern and Central Europe due to the collapse of the Russian, Ottoman and Austro-Hungarian empires. The evidence suggests, from looking at the archives of the French and German foreign officers, that there was a mutual effort over a long period of time to uh, diffuse post-war tensions, particularly after 1923 and the Ruhr crisis, uh, and to try to enter into discussions about European economic uh, integration. Both the German Foreign Office and the French Foreign Ministry at the Quai d'Orsay were very powerful institutions, sometimes working at arm's length from chancellors and prime ministers and able to pioneer policies which they believed were beneficial for their respective nations. But both Aristide Briand and uh, Gustave Stresemann of France and Germany respectively had met each other at the Locarno Treaties uh, in 1926 and had become admirers of one another, if not friends. The third uh, fiddle in that conversation was Austin Chamberlain, the brother of, or half-brother of, Neville Chamberlain, who represented Great Britain. Both Strasman and Briand were, throughout the 1920s, making efforts to bring about rapprochement between the powers and also uh, economic integration, if not possibly political integration. And the motivation on both parts was the understanding that the United States was now uh, the sole global economic hegemon, even as a result, even uh, following the Great Depression, uh, um, America was still economically uh, far more powerful or had far more potential power than any other country in the world, that European empires were, if not in retreat, certainly at a, a, a crossroads, and one further war would end them completely. And the, the 19th century, the age of European great power, was over. Instead of empires, there were nation-states, and these nation-states would need to find in Europe a way of getting on, cooperating, collaborating, uh, in ways that had not been possible previously. Uh, the reason why this it happens in the 1930s is simple, the legacy of the Great War. The First World War was an unprecedented apocalypse in European history with no previous parallel, and even the Napoleonic Wars don't come close to the levels of destruction wrought. And this meant that new ways of configuring politics and new ways of conceiving of Europe after the First World War needed to be sought because a repetition of the First World War was simply unthinkable. The tragedy that uh, a second war was at this point but eight years away was unknown to both men. 
the idea that Germany might fall to a dictatorship within two years, again, was unknown to both men. And this period of time is complicated and often misunderstood because when one thinks about Germany in the 1930s, one thought, one's thoughts instinctively go towards Nazism, hardly a political force for rapprochement and conciliation in any conceivable way. So the idea that there was a Franco-German dialogue happening up to two years before the uh, accession of Hitler to the Reich Chancellery really goes rather neglected. French and German diplomats had quite a long history of working towards rapprochement. Joseph Caillon, um, the French uh, Prime Minister before the First World War, thought that Germany was the greatest threat to France, and the Franco-Prussian War of 1870 had uh, proven that. But in order to deal with German militarism, he adopted the policy of trying to improve economic relations and economic collaboration based on the age-old assumption, which does have some validity to it, that countries that trade together are far less likely to fight one another. In January 1919, as the Paris Peace Conference was uh, beginning, a French delegation uh, secretly visited Berlin uh, to sound out the possibility of some kind of Franco-German economic partnership, which would reorganise and redevelop the European economy in general. Now, obviously, this was unsuccessful, but there were other approaches in 1921 and 1922. In 1921, the Wiesbaden Agreement was signed between France and Germany, which uh, agreed that the system of reparations would eventually be replaced by German direct investment in the war zones of northern France. The British veto this, um, derailing it, but the potential that the Wiesbaden Agreement had was immense as it offered the uh, French uh, investment to rebuild their shattered economy and infrastructure and eventually Germany would have been able to see some return on investment as well, giving Germany a natural incentive to keep the peace with France. There was an attempt in 1922 to revive it by the German industrialist Hugo Steins, but again, this was, uh, was vetoed. Um, Raymond Poincaré, who uh, came to office in January that year, was uh, not inclined to be conciliatory towards Germany, and thought it was more electorally appealing to have a confrontational and domineering approach with a weakened Germany. And we see that the following year during the Ruhr crisis. The Germans at this point have suspended the payment of reparations in cash uh, because of the hyperinflation crisis that has been mounting. And in January 1923, France marches its expeditionary force into the Ruhr along with Belgium and the possibilities of Franco-German cooperation seem to stall fundamentally at that point. The consequences of this new robust approach are devastating. The destruction of Germany's middle class 
through hyperinflation and the uh, wiping out of savings, which was in part the direct result of the rural crisis, but also in part of a, a creeping inflation that had been on the march since the start of the war. This um, deprived uh, German savers of their financial security and pushed an entire generation of potentially moderate centre-ground voters towards the right in sheer desperation. But obviously the real fruits of this would be um, captured by the extreme right and the Nazis after 1929. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The solution that the French sought now was to bring about the fragmentation of Germany to perhaps be able to annex um, parts of the uh, industrial and coal regions of, of the Ruhr to encourage um, more uh, disparate areas such as Bavaria to break away and to deal with the uh, ongoing question of French security by uh, returning Germany to the state that it was at uh, prior to unification, a sort of a rough version of the, the Holy Roman Empire. The failure to comprehensively assert French national power over Germany and the passive resistance that the French encounter in the Ruhr was electoral suicide for Poincaré, who found himself voted out of office, and it left the British and the Americans with the problem of trying to negotiate some sort of mediated agreement to uh, end the reparations crisis. The flow of reparations from Germany to um, the British and the French, um, who were then obliged to repay their debts to the United States was a fundamental obstacle to the creation of a permanent, secure European system. However, 
One of the results of the uh, fall of Poincaré due to the reparations crisis and the Ruhr crisis was that once again uh, foreign ministers in France and Germany both realised that any attempts to bring about the destruction of the other were mutually backfiring and that, like it or not, cooperation seemed to be the only meaningful um, alternative. There were a number of issues where it was unlikely there was going to be any kind of conciliation or collaboration, but on the issue of the economy, of their, the two countries' mutual economies, then that was uh, entirely possible. There had been a number of uh, Franco-German business uh, cartels emerging. Obviously, there are the business cartels emerging uh, in post-war Germany, such as IG Farben. But Franco-German business collaboration uh, was something relatively new. Franco-German diplomats and politicians also had an eye on the emergence of the Soviet Union as a new and assertive and um, alarming power uh, post-revolution and the chaos period of the Civil War. After 1928, of course, Stalin emerges as the dictator of the Soviet Union and the initiation of the five-year plans, the collectivization of agriculture and the forced industrialization and development of the Soviet Union uh, has, does not go unnoticed in Europe. On the other side of the Atlantic, the United States as a hegemon is also an existential threat. The reason for this, of course, is the Second World War hasn't happened yet. The post-war um, world where the United States creates NATO in partnership with Western European countries, again, that hasn't happened yet. And instead, the world that exists is a world of European imperialism, which is still a significant and viable force that has these two largely anti-imperialist, um, though history proves us wrong on both counts, um, these notionally anti-imperialist forces of, of the United States and the Soviet Union that uh, act as a kind of an almost vice for Europe and its power. Europe that has been fatally weakened by the First World War, crippled with debt and a continent which now has lost the um, sheen of civilization, uh, the notion that existed throughout 19th century Europe that the epicentre of civilization existed in the European continent was destroyed by the First World War. In 1929, Aristide Briand proposed the creation of a European Union. The, it was an idea that had been entertained by Gustav Stresemann, um, who had come up with roughly comparable ideas, but who obviously died in October of that year. The idea was that, was that Franco-German peace could be guaranteed through um, European integration, and this would not necessarily pull um, parliamentary sovereignty, but it would pull aspects of national sovereignty in the interests of cooperation, as really all treaties do. 
the reality of the situation is that despite how much um, nationalist figures demand some kind of perfect utopian sovereignty, any agreement between two nations will inevitably mean that there are compromises on sovereignty, that certain um, aspects of administration or security or trade or, or what have you are exchanged. And that in, in this kind of complicated economic integration that was being suggested, there would be an agreement to harmonise um, economies and so that they were uh, more closely integrated. And obviously the, the final expression of this in the 21st century would be the uh, integration of the creation of the euro. Both Briand and Stresemann looked to the growing threats of Soviet communism and fascism in Europe and thought that an alliance of democratic Christian nations would be able um, to economically collaborate in order to lift the continent out of the depression that, that racked it after 1929 and to create a bulwark against these forces. Um, the tragedy, of course, is that this was not to be. The um, four years from 1929 to 1933 see a collapse of German democracy, the rise of Nazism and other authoritarian regimes across the continent and the Second World War uh, result in the triumph, the triumph and then destruction of Nazism and the triumph and failure of Soviet communism ending in 1989 with the fall of the Berlin Wall and 1991 with the collapse of the Soviet Union. It is interesting to note that Great Britain was a very reluctant figure on the periphery of these conversations throughout the 1920s and 30s and was um, fearful and suspicious of Franco-German reproachment and the idea of a developing Franco-German powerhouse and Britain appears to have reprised this role despite its best efforts and the best efforts of uh, politicians from Ted Heath in 1973 onwards um, to now uh, inhabit the position of continental outsider. But obviously Britain will be embarking on this journey in very different circumstances than the beneficial ones that existed for Great Britain after 1919. The success of European integration after the Second World War also is reliant on very different conditions. The uh, involvement of the United States and United States um, dollars pouring into Europe in the guise of martial aid made it much more likely that European integration would succeed, particularly as martial aid had conditions attached, and that meant that there would have to be the development of some kind of economic and or political system, political uh, integration in Western Europe in order to prevent there from being resurgent fascism or communism. So the plans of Stresemann and Briand in the 1920s that were um, derailed by 1932 
by uh, economic and political crisis. And it was the shadow of a Second World War that made the ideas of Briand and Strasman not just utopian, but absolutely essential. And so it's an interesting story, in a way, about how um, economic and social and political and military realities shape the politics and turn fanciful notions into the plain, the everyday and the, the common sense. So it would appear after World War Two, there's nothing quite like the threat of the Red Army uh, in East Germany and Eastern Europe to help focus the thoughts. Anyway, um, I've gone on for way too long, so I'm going to finish this podcast here and we'll be continuing later today with some more observations on the developing crisis for Great Britain in 1940 as we move towards the Blitz. Thanks very much for listening. All the best. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.